Hello and welcome to Muppet Sational, the Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's Season 1, Episode 7, starring the very Brady Florence Henderson. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here to discuss another episode of The Muppet Show. How are we doing this week, everybody? I've realised I never ask anybody. We just usually jump straight in. (laughs) (laughs) We just go straight into it. We're just too excited to talk about The Muppets. I'm okay. I mean, it's kind of springy outside, which is quite nice. (laughs) It is. I mean, it's overcast here, but, you know, get yours. same here. Emma, how are you doing? (laughs) not too bad you know (laughs) it's march you know oh it's been march for a whole year it really has (laughs) that's true (laughs) so true well that's the checking in with everybody uh (laughs) finish small talk on podcast lovely Uh, Jade, why don't you give us some uh, production information for this week's episode? I will. We're going to change the format of this ever so slightly because I think Wikipedia has been updated and so now I'm not 100% sure on the accuracy of some of the info. Fantastic. <laughs> just, to, just to caveat that before I launch into it. So this episode was originally broadcast on the 17th of October 1976. The production code lists it as the seventh episode made and accordingly, Disney Plus have now included it as episode seven in their running order. It was written by Jack Burns, Mark London, Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell and directed by Peter Harris. Emma, have you got a you got a little bit of background on Florence Henderson? I do, Jade. Well, Florence Henderson was most notably known for her role on The Brady Bunch as Carol Brady, the mom. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! You go, Florence. Have either of you ever seen the original Brady Bunch? Never. No, I don't, I don't know, was it, I don't ever remember it being on TV in the UK. I never remember seeing it. Yeah, well, it certainly wasn't on terrestrial television. It might have been on one of your multiple channels (laughs) with satellite. I, well, I don't think it was though, Lewis, because I, I I mean, I remember, I'm sure the same as you both, always hearing different TV shows refer to it or different... American celebrities bring it up and reference it and obviously the the squares, the squares. are yeah. iconic and we all know that but I don't think I've ever seen an episode of the Brady Bunch ever. No, I haven't either. I I didn't even know if it was just one big family or if it was I think it's actually two families that joined together. It's, it's in the theme song. It's the story of a lovely lady who has three daughters. And a nice fella who has three sons. And then they, they become the Brady Bunch. Aww. Have neither of you ever watched the 90s Brady Bunch movies? The ones that are sort of like a parody of the Brady Bunch where they sort of transpose the 1970s Brady Bunch family into a 1990s like Gen X context. They're really funny. It's where the sure Jan gif comes from. Oh. I feel like if I have seen anything, I might have seen one of those, but I'm not sure. It's yeah. the honest. It's the honest answer. Florence Henderson makes a cameo in it, playing the grandma Brady. Like it's, uh, it all Aww. gets a bit ridiculous. Um, tell us some more about Florence Henderson. Well, um, she was also the first woman to guest host the Tonight Show. 
which I think is quite wow. a cool fact. Ooh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's and cool. then in 2010, she was a contestant on Dancing with the Stars at the age of 76. <laughs> wow. You go, Florence. <laughs> I did see on Wikipedia she also hosted her own talk show on a channel called Retirement Living TV. Oh my god! <laughs> which That's which like is the, the dream. most I know it's the most Florida sounding kind of. <laughs> that was literally what I was going to say. I was going to say, was that only broadcast in Florida? Was that the only the only state that that channel was available in? I just. I picture her sitting in one of those like high-backed like wicker chairs on a porch, like with some lemonade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Sip, sipping some lemonade with the little wickery fan. Yeah, exactly. You know, just and like... just chatting about the issues facing the elderly, like when to get up from your chair or uh, whether those pesky kids have come back to like go stand on the street. Oh, retirement television. Well, something that doesn't need to be retired is this fine episode of television. Is that a is that a link? I don't know if that worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about it. We're going to get into it. But I enjoyed this episode. I think there was definitely some moments that I maybe could have done without, or maybe was hmm. a little bit confused by exactly what was going on but on the whole i think it's a pretty solid episode of the muppet show and really and truly the first time that we've seen miss piggy flourish on the show which Mm. i Mm. thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed i really was really really pleased that that was the backstage runner of this episode and then also spilled out into the talk spot on the panel show and everything as well yeah i i enjoyed it emma how about you yeah, I, I thought in comparison to what we've seen previously, I thought it was actually quite a strong episode. Like, I actually quite enjoyed watching it. And in fact, I even, I think I even watched it twice. And to be honest, I thought it was quite a solid episode in terms of the different sketches. And I mean, some of the songs, maybe the UK spot song wasn't the best, but we, we can get to that bit. But um, yeah, no, I, I did think it was actually a good show. And like you say, Miss Piggy definitely came into her own in this episode with her karate chops and hi and <laughs> everything else. So yeah, no, I, I did enjoy it this week, definitely. I was trying to decide whether the characterization of Miss Piggy in this episode it's about 70% there she she loves Kermit but she's a bit more kind of obsessed with him in this manifestation of her do you know what I mean like that kind of like gets toned down a bit mm. later on I, I um, sorry I was just gonna say I felt it was she kind of was had a very Marilyn Monroe vibe about her in this episode I could see that even with what she was wearing she did look great yeah what in what way Marilyn Emma um I just think it was kind of like she was quite over the top mm-hmm. and like in her reactions to Kermit and then just kind of like she was quite femme fatale you know that bit where she kind of like threw her head back and <laughs> and everything yeah. I yeah, I think that's just what reminds me of, of Marilyn Monroe. Her delivery is very breathy. Do you know what I mean? It's a lot of the yes, sort of that like... that was it as well. Oh, yeah. Like, even more so that, like, it was in her sort of vocal delivery felt very kind of like Marilyn. I can see, yeah, I can sort of see that. But I felt like, again, it's interesting watching these characters that we know so well sort of progress into what we know them to be. So, like, obviously the love for Kermit is there, but it's a bit more kind of, like, bunny boiler than perhaps they do now because it kind of gets a bit belaboured. 
and her sort of her aggression and her sort of like staunchness and jealousy is definitely there. And the only thing I think we're missing is the kind of like self-aggrandizing, I'm a star. Do you know what I mean? Like that needs to be turned up a bit higher and the obsession with Kermit turned down just a bit to become more of a like love than an obsession. And then I feel like it's going to be Piggy. Like it, but it's so cool to see Piggy and I guess Frank Oz and the writers build that character who is now such an icon. Yeah, I agree. She's almost there. Mm. I did also, and I don't know whether this is the first time we've heard her say it, but I noticed at one point she did say moi (gasps) and she did refer to herself in that way. And I think that's the first time we've heard her do that, which I thought was pretty pretty cool that yeah. that again was sort of part of her characterization from very early on mm. that that was her way of i guess bigging herself up but then equally as you said lewis that that sense of her being a diva and wanting to be in the spotlight is missing at the moment she hasn't got mm. all of her jealousy and everything is surrounding florence and kermit it's not around the fact that she's not getting airtime or that she's not yeah you know duetting with whoever you know it's all around the love interest isn't Mm. it the closest we got to that i suppose was the glee club Mm -hmm. sketch yeah where she moves from the back into the front Mm. but again yeah it's like those composite elements are all there they just haven't merged into the fantastic diva that we all know now but uh speaking of pigs after the uh opening titles and the sort of little cut to Florence in a lovely blouse, I have to say, and her gold chain. I would wear that entire outfit. I was like, ooh, I love that blouse. A nice silk. <laughs> Strong silk blouse. Silk plum yes. number. Yes, it was very um Gillian Anderson in the fall. Do you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> she should be like whispering and solving sexy crimes. <laughs> uh, then we move on to the first sketch, which is the, I didn't write down their name, the bouncing Bolero Borsellino brothers. Yeah, the bouncing Borsellino brothers of Boston. Ah, of Boston. They're going to park my (laughs) car. Going to park my car in the Harvard Yard at night. I can't do it. (laughs) That was pretty good. (laughs) Park my car in the. It's my JFK impression. It's the. We choose to go to the moon and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. (laughs) I think that's pretty good. Emma is not impressed. <laughs> what do you want from me? Like, more. <laughs> if you do any more, it just turns into Mayor Quimby from The Simpsons. <laughs> no, I think that's a very good JFK. I don't necessarily know if the bouncing Borsellino brothers of Boston, I can't even do it, sound like uh, sound like JFK though. <laughs> they didn't have a Boston accent at all. It was, it was just, they had no bearing on anything they did. Did anybody else get a very Sesame Street vibe from this? I felt like I was learning to count. I think there was definitely an element of that. But the other bit that just kept really confusing me was why the pigs had sort of like basketball player type bodies with flailing limbs that weren't really like piggy. I don't know. What do pigs have? Piggy. Trotters. Well, yeah, on the end, but... Do you know what I mean? Like, did you see their arms? They were very willowy and I was just very, very confused by the overall puppet design for the Borsellino brothers of Boston. <laughs> I know I say it a lot, but they they also looked like very off the rack. Muppets. Yes. They just sort of grabbed them from the mm. warehouse. It's like, oh, we've got six pigs. Just chuck some hair on a couple of them and put them in some <laughs> jumpsuits. I mean, their faces, I felt like there was some individualization, characterization. Like the first ones that came up were definitely meant to be younger. They kind of had more rounded faces 
And then number five, he was definitely meant to be older. He had more hair and like a mustache and stuff. But yeah, overall, it was it was a very odd sketch to open with, I felt like. It had the sort of Sesame Street vibes. And then on top of that, it was funny when they fell over, but I guess it was also very predictable. It didn't feel like that much payoff for just watching them climb on top mm. of one another and then fall over. One thing that came to mind to me was... Um thinking about when the rats pile up on each other in like Muppet Christmas Carol and how much more kind of how much Mm -hmm. better the puppeteering is basically like whereas this really felt like just three to four guys Mm. just like chucking some big puppets on top of each other I don't know like it it, it didn't I didn't believe it I know it sounds really pretentious yeah I know what you mean you it almost felt like you could tell, like, obviously, I know they were doing the pyramid shape, but when they were, like, meant to be climbing up to the next level, mm. you could always almost imagine, like, them all kind of scrunched together with <laughs> yeah, with the pig puppets kind of thing. It wasn't quite Muppets magic, mm. like you say. But, you know, I think it was it was funny and they fell through the floor and then it kind of went into the, the beginning of the uh, the runner, which I found quite funny when Kermit had his little interaction <laughs> with George. And he was like, why do you just not get out of it? And he's like, why would I get out of showbiz? Like, come on. Uh, I loved uh, George's energy of the, uh, when he said, I'm sick and tired and clearing up after these pigs. I wrote down, this is going to be me when hospitality restarts in a couple of weeks. (laughs) And I was like... <laughs> Although I then was I then found it very strange, like not to jump ahead, where then George is performing in the ballroom sketches. Like, why is there janitor performing on stage? Like we get it's no He doesn't want to be out of showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but he's not in showbiz, he's a janitor. <laughs> like <laughs> Maybe he's got a dual contract, Lewis. It's like <laughs> like janitor yeah. janitor nine till five, five till seven ballroom dancer yeah. oh my god it's like when know. it's when understudies get asm duties it's like when it's like you are understudying three roles but also you need to put the props in the right place so you can't just, <laughs> you can't just sit in the dressing yeah, room yeah or it's a bit like on cruise ships where you have all the performers who are also the people who do the lifeboat muster training <laughs> exercise at the beginning of the cruise <laughs> you just know that from Tina Fey's autobiography. But it's true. <laughs> I know when she tells the story about the almost like cruise ship explosion. <laughs> she was saying like the dancers are then handed a gun to like look after you in the lifeboats. <laughs> oh god. So there you go, Lewis. So it's it, this is just common practice that George is pulling double duty here. You know, yeah, he's I a, suppose so. He's a busy man. He's in show business. Okay. I know, I shan't complain when somebody asks, hands me a mop and bucket for when I next performing, whenever the hell that'll be. I'd be like, oh yeah, just like George. I was actually a bit confused by the final punchline of that little bit because Kermit told him to move the body and then he then knocked Kermit over. But I didn't understand what the move the body was in reference to. Because none of the pigs had, like, died on stage. They'd all got up. We'd seen them run across in the background. What did that mean? Am I being really thick? No, I didn't get it either. I just assumed one of the pigs was dead. <laughs> oh, God. We've killed another <laughs> Which... Muppet. <laughs> I'm on a rampage. No, I was going to say, it's sort of... Uh, it, maybe that explains the radicalisation of all the pigs in this episode. Because there was a very sort of, like, union-heavy feel and, like, liberated pigs kind of, like, undercurrent that was going on. So maybe it was the, the death of one of the Boston brothers that uh, was the thing that... Uh, the catalyst. Over. Yeah, exactly. 
Then we go into Florence's big number, aka the song Elusive Butterfly, which I've never heard of before in my entire life. No. But I have to say, it was kind of like a perfect 70s music video vibe, which we spoke about before. <laughs> she was in a tie-dye moo-moo. A caftan, a gorgeous caftan. <laughs> it was a moo-moo. Oh, it was both. <laughs> and, What's the um, difference between a moo-moo and a caftan anyway? It's who all, knows? She was wearing it in anticipation for her retirement living TV. <laughs> yes, she <laughs> kept that for life. <laughs> she did. Caftans are for life, not just for the Muppet Show. <laughs> I just thought it was, it was quite an... An interesting song for a choice. The butterfly puppets actually reminded me of, you know, in Alice in Wonderland, where mm. they have the butterflies. Mm. Their sort of wings look like bread. But anyway, that's a bit of a <laughs> digression. digression. <laughs> but yeah. Um, no, that's what it reminded me of too. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of crossfades. There was a lot of dissolves. There was some white foliage. I quite liked her, like, Moo Moo Kaftan, the whole butterfly vibe of it. I thought that I... was quite good. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how you guys felt about it. I found it. it quite dull. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's the same complaint I had uh, with Juliet Prowse where I'm like, where's the funny? Like, I was like, give me the jokes. All she was doing was mm. just like appearing and disappearing in this sort of like white twig forest and like pan pipes were playing. <laughs> I wrote down in my notes, it felt like the big introduction to a hypnosis tape. <laughs> like it was going to be a video that was going to like... It's actually... um. It's the first module of the Nixium syllabus. I feel like like you're about to be inducted into some cult after you've watched this. <laughs> exactly. Like Florence Henderson's retirement living cult. <laughs> I yeah, I felt the same. I felt like it was very, very serious. I was constantly waiting for the shoe to drop and for mm. a crazy Muppet to turn up and hijack this beautiful 70s butterfly utopia. I did think of what you were sort of saying about Juliet Prowse, Lewis, because I was watching it and I was like, actually, at least with Juliet Prowse, we did have the green giraffes. And also it wasn't that long. This seemed to be going on for ages. And on top I of mean, that... I mean, we might have been, we might have been knocked out for 20 minutes. We don't know. That's <laughs> very true. That's the Florence Henderson hypnosis tape. You don't know her. <laughs> It's actually March 2022, don't you know? Um, yeah, and I just felt like it wasn't... I don't know, it just, again, it just didn't feel like something that had to be done on The Muppet Show. Yeah. It could have been on any sort of variety show with Florence Henderson showing off her her beautiful singing and her caftan. <laughs> and obviously the butterfly was well done. And I assume that was why they wanted to do this, was to show off, hey, look, we've managed to make a puppet that looks like it's a floating butterfly mm. fluttering through these through these twigs and trees. It had been overlaid, hadn't it? It was, because they weren't puppeteering it like in front no, of Florence no, no, no. Had, yeah. and I thought to be yeah. fair for 1976 I thought that effect was very good but I suppose maybe that's why the forest was like an entirely white yeah. do you know what I mean to make the effect easier yes. to do the only time that I thought the effect was bad was at the end when there were multiple butterflies and then you had butterflies that had large chunks of pixels <laughs> completely missing as if they'd been moth-eaten or something and it was just poor CG um, but <laughs> one thing that I did want to mention to you both was uh, yeah. when I saw her caftan it did remind me of the inkblot test and I was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> it's the hypnosis yeah, exactly. tape. What can you? What can you see, what did Jade? I see? Do you see? 
Do you see a planned community for seniors <laughs> with an active leisure centre and pool? <laughs> Ford planning. She was doing some Ford planning. <laughs> Only for two and a half thousand dollars a month, you can join the Florence Henderson Retirement Community Village. <laughs> She's just like this overlord of the elderly. She sends her butterflies on them if they don't pay. <laughs> they just, just like gently flapped to death. Attack! Yes. <laughs> when we went backstage after Florence's number, um, and we have that scene with Piggy, did anybody else find it really strange to hear Miss Piggy oink? Like, I never th- oh, actually... Oh, I didn't notice that. She actually oinked when she was sort of like manhandling Kermit and I found it so bizarre because actually I don't think of her as a pig Mm. do you know what I mean I just think of her as a star like you know (laughs) but uh, but actually the amount of references she makes herself and the jokes that are made about her oh she's a you know she thinks she's beautiful but she's a pig like do you know what I mean I don't know like those kind of jokes they don't basically there's just a lot of jokes about her being a pig yeah rather than like say her abrasive personality so even her referring to herself being like i'm a liberated pig which i loved like i love the idea of i want that that's like a twitter bio <laughs> waiting to happen do you know what i mean like that that is probably gonna be my new twitter bio i'm a liberated pig <laughs> i didn't notice the oinking but that would have really thrown me if i had heard it but i agree i think i mean this whole episode is it's almost overtaken by the pigs, isn't it? Between the Borsellino brothers and Piggy. Yeah. It's very much pigs, pig puns, pig humour, things about bacon. Yeah. It's very much how many puns or references can you cram into one single episode yeah. that poke fun at Piggy's pigginess. Mm. It's probably the most we've had since the Sandy Duncan banana sketch runner where the backstage stuff has bled mm-hmm. onto what's happening on stage all the sort of pig business comes up in almost every other sketch really yeah it's an interesting one i don't know whether i like that or not if you know what i mean whether i want the backstage business to be like one plot and then everything that's happening on stage to be something else i suppose it'll just depend as we watch more of them whether we find that's a sort of strength or a weakness of an episode yeah i think for something like this it works because actually it's a lot of fun what's happening Mm. backstage. So it's kind of interesting that not only does Piggy throw herself on Kermit and insist on declaring her love over and over again backstage, but she can't even help herself when he's recording with Florence. She's like, no, 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 no. I need to make sure there's no funny business going on here. I need to be involved in that too. There's other backstage runners that we've seen that would not you know, you'd be furious if Scooter turned up and started referencing his uncle in the middle of another sketch, wouldn't you? Just be like, I shut would. up, Scooter, go away. I was glad we didn't see any Scooter this week and I was happier for it, to be honest. I miss Gonzo, though. I wish Gonzo was there. Yeah, I know. I think, he, you know what they could have done? They could have put Gonzo on the top of the um, bouncing Borsalino Brothers pyramid. I mean, that would have been genius. That would have been yes. great. Why is he... Yeah, I suppose that that leans into when Gonzo becomes more of a sort of, like, crazy stuntman than yeah. their resident artist, which I suppose will happen at some point. We're sort of slowly, <laughs> yeah. we're slowly transitioning from him being an uh, artist to freak. Because <laughs> I can imagine, like, I'm sure I've seen something with Gonzo where he puts on some ears to pretend to be a mouse or something, and he would put on some, like pig ears I, and Emma, pretend I, to be no, like Emma, a pig i think you're thinking oh no i might think of something else I, I don't know about the pig but i think you might be thinking of it's 
Grover in a Muppet family Christmas playing the mouse who is not stirring in the Sesame Street Twas the Night Before Christmas Christmas pageant. I cannot believe how many words that was to get to that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Gonzo. I thought it was you. It's a different crazy blue Muppet. (laughs) Even if you just had it that Gonzo was just trying to get in on it because... Again, I guess it's in his future incarnation as a more of a stunt yeah. daredevil than Marina Abramovich. But he, even if he was just trying to get on top of the pyramid because he was like, I want in on this. And that's what knocks yeah. them over is Gonzo just being a flailing alien Gonzo. Like that, even that would have been more funny than just, oh, the pigs have gone. Okay, bye. One thing that was also flailing, did anybody <laughs> notice in the ballroom sketch, you literally saw a puppeteer's hand pulling a string attached to the chandelier for at the end when it needs to swing. You literally saw a puppeteer's hand come into frame and just like jostle it a bit. I was (laughs) like, good God, like, come on. Oh my God, I feel like I need to go back and watch this episode again. I didn't notice that at all. I watched it twice and I didn't even (laughs) notice that. That's slightly, slightly worrying. Maybe I'm just very attuned to like, I don't know. I love that kind of like, (laughs) crap going wrong like that kind of business i thought you were gonna say then i'm just very attuned to the ballroom sketch i just love it so much (laughs) oh yeah famously famously (laughs) love the ballroom sketch i didn't mind this one this week i loved those two trash muppets i don't know who they are but they were adorable i love i really liked them looked so like the thick of fur and just like like their mouths just like it was very pleasing to me i mean i just felt like this on the whole, it went on for too long and it was the same sort of level of jokes that we've had in all the other ones that just... Bleh. But I did... I really like those two Muppets. I really hope they're coming back, not just in the ballroom sketch. I hope we're going to see more of them doing something else yeah. with someone because they were really, really fluffy and cute and just sort of wanted to... I A bit like you with the newsflash man, Lewis, I kind of just wanted to reach out and touch them a little bit and just go, ooh! Yes! <laughs> And we got a couple of funny rats as well. Like, we're slowly moving in. Oh, I love the rats. They were funny. I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so weird seeing them um, naked. Like, yeah. you know, like, the whole sort of, like, philosophy of, like, which Muppets are and aren't clothed and whether Kermit is wearing a collar and is Fozzie technically, like, naked bar a neckerchief and a hat. We're just so used to Rizzo being, like in a baseball cap or like you know check shirts and stuff to just see these two naked rats you're like cover your shame like it's you're in a ballroom for god's sake (laughs) i thought the um chat with florence and kermit felt like we joined it mid-conversation I, I don't know if that was the point or not it was it wasn't the strongest chat between them i felt they didn't have a great deal of chemistry I feel like it was obviously all very much to set up for Piggy coming in. So yeah, I agree. It felt like we kind of joined it halfway through. It wasn't like Kermit introduced Florence or they had that sort of usual repartee of Kermit and whoever the host is for the week. Mm. It felt like it could have taken place in the dressing room rather than in the talk spot sofa I don't even know what do we call yeah. that talk sport corner or the something. Bo- the born like, in the trunk sort of like it's the Judy Garland show kind of moment where she's just like propped up. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think I did. I I thought their chemistry was fine. Mm. Kermit is quite flirty with these female guests. He is. You know, like he's a little. They were kind of touching each other, and he was telling her 
that he was spellbound by her mm. and whatever else. And uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. <laughs> I was going to say um, he's a very flirty little floor. Oh, I can't. Even- oh no! Oh, like really yes, we've got another one. God, ever he's a God, he's a really flirty little frog there we Yay! go <laughs> well done, it wouldn't be a, an episode of muppetsational without me mispronouncing something <laughs> <laughs> or not able to say it <laughs> it was like your lips were trying to escape your face like they were just like bye <laughs> Um, yeah, he is very, he is a very flirty little frog. God, that, God, I strained my neck saying that to focus. (laughs) See, it's hard. (laughs) It is hard. It's very difficult. Um, but I mean, for Piggy to get upset at this, compared to, you know, a couple of episodes ago, we have Connie Stevens basically throwing herself at the Muppets and like basically having a threesome with herself, Kermit and Fozzie. This felt quite tame. This was more like (laughs) emotional cheating rather than a sort of a sexual free song that connie stevens brought kermit's a little devil maybe that's what hurt miss piggy yeah. more you know this isn't just kermit being a flirty little frog oh, this is oh actually... look at the way you just ca- oh you just oh yeah look at Emma, it's something in the family i don't know <laughs> like it's <laughs> probably jeans <laughs> um, but yeah i think and then i guess you also had florence saying that they went way back i mean it did it's interesting you said you didn't think they had that much chemistry. I felt like she was playing it very well, this sort of like Hollywood insider type with Kermit and this sort of sense of them. I I believe, not not being like, I believe that Kermit and Florence went way back <laughs> or anything, but I kind of got that sense of them being friends, mm, Yeah, I suppose. She, yeah, she, she has charisma. Mm. But does she have the uniqueness, nerve and talent to make it as the next drag superstar? I don't know. And also, I did not get the joke at the end. Why did she say cement mixer? Can either of you explain that to me? Cement mixer? Yeah, the her little joke at the end of the chat, she said cement mixer. And Peter and I both looked at each other like, what? I didn't hear that. And I don't know. No, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Scott, did you guys even watch this episode? I mean, I swear to God, like, like I pointed yes, out like Lewis. three things now. I'm carrying this goddamn podcast on my back. Just, <laughs> just your two faces. <laughs> I'm absolutely not carrying this. You two are both carrying me, to be fair. I think I've still got too much Sarah Jessica Parker, Sauvignon Blanc in my system, I think. <laughs> oh, my oh my God, you're carrying me. Carrie! Ah! Oh, God. I should lay down. (laughs) Jade, I think we need to pull up a clip. Like, I'm sorry, I think we need to play the end of this sketch because I swear to God, (laughs) she does say cement mixer. Like, put the subtitles on. I don't know what you need, but like, I swear she says it. Like, there's a little thing where somebody, like, either Kermit or Piggy says, repeats a line twice and then she says cement mixer. I swear she says it. (laughs) If it turns out that Lewis is correct, Jade is going to drop in a clip of herself now saying Lewis was right. I shall leave space here. Hi everyone, Jade from the future here as I'm editing the episode. So when we recorded this episode, we tried for ages to find this cement mixer bit that Lewis was talking about and could not find it because although it does exist, so Lewis, you were right, uh, it happens in the middle of the sketch which I will play for you in just a moment. 
but I looked it up and it's from a song which was Cement Mixer Putty Putty which I think was quite famous in the 50s. I'm not entirely sure. I did see quite a lot of people mentioning that it was in MASH, but that didn't happen until 1980. So Florence Henderson was ahead of her time on the sitcom front there. But anyway, please enjoy a little bit of the talk spot between Kermit and Florence, including her nod to the cement mixer putty putty song. And if you want to laugh... Please do Google it. There's a version of Liberace singing it, which is pretty amusing. And yeah. See you later. Hi, Florence. Your eyes are like two limpid pools. Oh, that's very sweet. Girl. And when I look into your eyes, I'm spellbound. Oh. And, and when I look into those eyes, I see... I see... Come on, tell me what you see. I see trouble. <laughs> the pig's away, the frog will play. <laughs> Hi, Piggy. Don't hide, Piggy, me, you frog stealer. Uh, uh, Piggy, you have it all wrong there, you see. In a pig's eye. I mean, in a person's eye. Yes, you do have it wrong, Piggy. Oh? Yes, Kermit was just practicing on me what he really wants to say to you. Oh, uh, what? Oh, you mean it? No. Oh, it's Kermit. Uh, oh, uh, my love, my love. And now we're back. If I <laughs> What fun with time travel on the podcast. <laughs> the magic of editing. Wanna know something terrifying? When Rolf does his UK spot, he mentions Winnie the Pooh and Fozzie Bear, who are now both fully owned by Disney. And in 1976, only one of them was. What a time to be alive. Conglomerates. <laughs> Fozzie and Winnie the Pooh now related in some weird Disney yeah. universe of franchises. <laughs> they're going to turn up in like a Wreck-It Ralph thing where they're like, you know, all hanging out casually. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Fozzie, Winnie the Pooh, Brother Bear. Bear in the like, Big Blue House. <laughs> like, oh, 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 I used to love that. <laughs> Emma, you were definitely too old for Bear in the Big Blue House. <laughs> How old would you have been when I came up? Probably about ten. <laughs> yeah, I just always associate Bear in the Big Blue House with when we would be on holiday. Because again, yes. I don't think we had the channel for it, Jade. So <laughs> no, and yet somehow you still managed to go to Florida. What seemed like every single year. So Look, uh... it was six occasions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe though, Lewis, the first time that we saw Bear in the Big Blue House was in Barbados. Oh, was it in Barbados? In Barbados. Yeah. That place that uh, people who have no money go all the time, Barbados. Okay, I think we should... I don't think we should discuss the family's financial matters on the podcast. Oh, I'm only teasing you both. Oh, no. Speaking of teasing, I did like... Although the song was a bit kind of like meh, I did really enjoy uh, Rolf's little like bits to the camera, sort of saying like, G-sharp minor, that's a modulation and all that sort of stuff. It was very, it was very cute, but very filler material, it felt. So there's a few interesting things I found out about this when I was reading it. I did know it because it's an A.A. Milne poem, Cottleston Pie. So, mm. you know, it is a known quantity, I guess. Um, and I guess especially seeing mm. as it was the UK spot, I feel like it would have been quite known to UK audiences probably in the 70s. 
But something I did find out, which I thought was really interesting, is if you remember Lydia, we found out previously had been performed by Elmo at Jim Henson's memorial. Yes. This was another Jim Henson favourite. And Frank Oz, as Bert, performed this at Jim Henson's memorial. This memorial just, like, stacked with hits. Like, it's Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Nothing but bangers at the Jim Henson (laughs) memorial. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) I've only seen, like, the really sad clips from his memorial. I haven't seen some of this, I don't want to say, like, the UK spot equivalent of his memorial (laughs) service. I thought you were going to say, I haven't seen any of the best bits of the memorial (laughs) yet. (laughs) The highlights. The showreel. Okay, alright. No, I mean, I've just seen, like, Big Bird singing It's Not That Easy Being Green, and you can hear, like, a Carol Spinney crying inside Big Bird. Yeah, it's very upsetting. I think Bert singing Cottesden Pie, (laughs) I was going to say, it might be the point in the memorial where I might go out and get a snack. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like but Bert would be missing his Ernie I mean I still think that's going to be really sad isn't it yeah you're right that is Aww. true and, and it makes sense doesn't it that Henson's obviously putting his favourite songs into his TV show that he tried to get off the ground for 15 years and has finally made it Yeah. but yeah it's a another interesting choice and it does it does beg the question of exactly what the tone of that memorial was when you're going from Lydia the Tattooed Lady to Cottleston Pie to it's not easy being green. Yeah. I Quite think, a lot going God, on. <laughs> roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. <laughs> and presumably somebody singing Rainbow Connection at some point. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. For the act one interval. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, I did like the piano playing. I thought that was, again, yeah. you know, when you don't even consider it's puppeteering. Do you know what I mean? You just wholly buy that this dog is playing a piano. And it's just done with such kind of finesse and timing. It's just incredible. Yeah, I loved the piano playing. Well. I thought Rolf was really great. And I really, it felt like Rolf was really enjoying it. And like you said, the sort of turns to camera. And even that little look he gave at the end, like he really looked like he wanted to make sure that the audience had enjoyed it. And it was really, really cute. Peter, like, let out an involuntary sort of like, I think I did too to be honest I was like I was like oh Rolf we did enjoy it it's fine yeah carry on he needs to come back more we need more Dr Bob as well (laughs) (laughs) Emma's Emma's run out of Grey's Anatomy to watch she needs veterinary hospital to like (laughs) fill the void I do (laughs) Dr Bob will be back Emma 100% so after the UK spot we get the return of the panel discussion. Emma, what did you, what did you think of uh, this week's discussion on uh, was Shakespeare Francis Bacon? Well, again, we were kind of following on with the uh, pig puns. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was quite funny. The fact that like Piggy pretty much took offence straight away. Be like, bacon? And then she was kind of like karate chopping everyone. And then you had floyd and then you had florence kind of with all the pork related puns i think at one point florence goes i love bacon (laughs) when you think about it in the reality of the world like she is literally saying to miss piggy i ate but like do you know what i mean like i ate you like do you know what i mean like it's such a when you actually think about it for a hot second you're like florence henderson you monster (laughs) like how can you say these things who the hell was that old man muppet that was sitting next to florence henderson 
who looked like God. I think, was he the same one that was on the Rita Moreno panel discussion? It's so long ago now, I can't remember. But I was like, who the hell is this guy? Like, <laughs> I found his contribution the weirdest part of that, where I don't even remember exactly what he said. And then the punchline was, well, if you don't like it, you shouldn't come to my country. I was like, yeah. what? Like, this is just sort of generically xenophobic and I don't even get it like I don't understand what the point of that was the the sketch would have been absolutely fine he didn't even need to be there that you know no do you know what they could have put in Sam the Eagle again Mm. I think that would have been quite funny that would have been a much better especially when like Piggy starts going crazy and karate chopping everyone (laughs) I'd love to see like his reaction to that I think that would have been quite funny yeah that would have been a much better addition I think he must be just kind of like almost a sort of Sigmund Freud, kind of like European mm. smart doctor kind of stand-in that I suppose would have been a familiar presence in those kind of like real-life panel show discussions. But yeah, he feels a bit superfluous. And even even the way the camera cut sometimes, it would be like um, when they'd cut to a wide shot, he wasn't even in it. It just had Florence at the end of the frame <laughs> and then they just left him out. <laughs> like, what is going on? But I suppose they had to have the room for the... Uh, the, the Baston pigs to come back in. No, I can't do it. Like, it's, it's just fully gone. <laughs> there was also another reference to the unionization of the pigs because at one point... Pigs Piggy, unite! Yeah, pigs of the world unite, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, she's like, pigs of the world unite. <laughs> we love a communist queen. <laughs> like, yes, union. But also I feel like that's very out of character for Piggy now. Like she's completely me, myself and I out for her and her alone. This is obviously early days of Miss Piggy where she still needed the strength in numbers. And now, you know, she's yeah. not not the diva she is now where she can stand on her own two feet. I hate to think that uh, Miss Piggy is probably a Hollywood Republican. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, is it? <laughs> but I, don't, I worry that that would fall into her kind of uh, her mindset. But hopefully Kermit, who I assume is some kind of like Bernie Sanders, kind of like yes. very liberal frog, <laughs> might sort of like curb her more uh, Republican aspects of herself. Yeah, but that probably just pushes her more Republican. Like Kermit yeah. being Bernie is just like, that's the reason she's like, this is why I am how I am, because of people <laughs> like you. <laughs> I've just seen in my notes, I have in all caps the words, PIG UNION! <laughs> I want to get a badge and join. That could be some nice merch, couldn't it? Like a little a little solidarity hoof with Pig Union. Oh my god. <laughs> oh no, actually no, we don't want that because then it looks like we might be trying to side with police officers. Like if oh. we're trying to say like Pigs Unite. Maybe it's Miss Piggy's Union then, specifically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just to make it explicitly clear on this tiny button that we do not support the police. I was going to say, we're going to have to pay a lot of money for like so many letters. <laughs> Ever, it's not a telegram. Like, (laughs) (laughs) we have to pay for every letter. (laughs) What kind of ridiculous button? What button business do you think? What kind of button business do you think this is? Ever, for goodness' sake, (laughs) we gotta pay by the letter. God, (laughs) sir. I thought there was some really good camera work following the panel sketch into backstage mm. like they had the, the the wide shot of like the two levels of backstage and then they sort of panned across with Kermit as he moved I don't know it, it felt very alive like because quite often I find particularly with the backstage stuff it's like 
set camera, cut to another set camera. And actually having that kind of movement gave it a lot more energy. It felt a bit more frantic and that Kermit's right to get so riled up because of everything that's happening because it feels more chaotic. I think the um, the way they use the levels in the backstage area is really interesting. Mm. I mean, we had it with the the fozzy runner where he thought that he was getting booted off the show when, yeah, where you went from Hilda and Gonzo and then went back to Fozzy, yeah. who had unwittingly walked in on the conversation but this one was even better because you did have you had you had muppets on three different levels that's a lot more going on Mm. than we've previously seen technically on the show before and yeah i agree lewis then the fact that the camera i guess tracked or panned around to then have more of that close-up on piggy and kermit's conversation was really just very very technically well done i completely agree Mm. again i guess it's just nice to see the show maturing and finding a confidence in the technical language as well as the characters developing because actually as we've already touched on in this episode actually we're used to seeing the Muppets do quite technically adventurous and astounding things and I guess that isn't going to happen just overnight is it they're going to have to find that over time so yeah it's cool it's good to see it was good what did we think of the uh uh fozzy sketch this week emma 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 it's a it's an it's an oral medium emma you can't just shake your head i know i know i just like tilted my head didn't i i didn't really speak at the same time i don't know i it was quite funny when he did his little turns of trying to be like humphrey bogart and just kind of like turned around and just did exactly the same voice for like Cary Grant, Humphrey Bogart and who was the other? Jimmy Cagney, wasn't it? Yeah. Jimmy Come on Hagney, Emma, they were all yeah. people who feature on the great movie ride, Emma, for goodness sake. Oh, I used to love that ride. R.I.P. R.I.P. Look, that was always my backup plan was like, if I fail at acting, I want to become one of the people that operates the great movie ride. Oh my God, that would be a dream job, wouldn't it? Isn't that just... Per- like, yeah, it I was. feel like I'm built for that kind of... <laughs> interactive experience it's that being a skipper on the jaws ride like you know just that kind of like i have to say the same thing 20 to 30 times a day and do it with the same enthusiasm um, yeah i thought it was all right i was kind of hoping that maybe when he was going to turn around it would be like a genuine clip of humphrey bogart that he would then mime along to and it would be like oh my god he does sound exactly like them because he's a puppet they could do that but um, I know the point was it was meant to fall flat, but then it does mean just the energy of the sketch falls flat too. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that, if that's the joke you're making, yeah. But it was quite flat because obviously it just genuinely wasn't particularly funny. But I did enjoy the punchline of, of course, they sound the same. They're all written by the same writer. Yeah, it was quite clever. Yeah, it was an interesting reversal. Mm. Of what we know is the case, which is, of course, they sound the same. It's the same performer and he's not doing anything different. You know, instead it's like, oh, it's the writing. Yeah. And then also, I mean, again, I guess just a little bit of Muppet punning about Bear leaving the stage. And then Fozzie's like, it's a Bear stage. Walker, walker, <laughs> you know, like, fine. It was kind of, I don't know. It was just a bit exasperating again, Mm. wasn't it? And also I felt like, I don't know how you two felt with this episode. There wasn't that much Statler and Waldorf and I did enjoy some of their little bits, but actually I felt like there was a lot less of them than we've seen in some previous episodes recently, where there's been an awful lot of Statler and Waldorf inserts almost between every sketch. Mm. And that, that was, 
missing in this one. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have them too much. And actually, the only sort of very bizarre insert we had was the Florence Henderson and Sweetums, like... 22nd gag. Mm. Always lovely to see Sweetums, but it did feel, that felt very like 60s variety show, like laughing, like open the door behind this coloured wall, say one line, another person opens the door behind it and that's the pun. Shut the doors, like, and then move on. For as much as it's a parody of a variety show in one way, it does sort of fall into those same kind of rhythms. Speaking of rhythm, (laughs) transition, uh, we had Florence's second song, in what is, I think, one of the most enviable positions ever, which is surrounded by Muppets very close to you. Like, again, not to get weird, but like, ooh, tactile. I want to touch the Muppets. Like, I just want to <laughs> touch them and feel them against my face. And just, oh, it's all just cozy. <laughs> just... I feel like, Lewis, you'd definitely have some sort of sexual suit <gasps> against you if there was any, like... <laughs> It's entire. Not to try and make myself sound like I sound like John Lasseter. I'm just hugging them. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. You'd just be like, but I just can't help myself. And the poor puppeteer would be like, these are my hands. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the Muppets usually started. To be fair, they were like nuzzling up to her they before were, it they started. Were. I'm only I think the only person you could make a case for is Connie Stevens and her <laughs> her busy hands. <laughs> Shall we, shall we watch a little clip of Happy Together? It was so Ooh, cute. Oh, let's. I don't quite know how to say this, but uh, me and a lot of the guys are really fond of you. Oh, Lizard, that's very flattering. <laughs> Imagine me and you, I do. I think about you day and night. It's only right to think about the girl you love and hold her tight. So happy together. If I should call you up, in best a dime, and you say you belong to me, and he's my mind, imagine how the world would be so very fine, so happy together. Loving nobody but you for all my life. <laughs> Emma's waving a highlighter like it's her lighter that she does not have. <laughs> it was very cute. It was fun. I loved it. I mean, you had kind of like Florence and she was surrounded by all the Muppets. Although I have to say they were kind of like a bit of a ragtag bunch of Muppets. But I think that just added to it. It was playful and cute and... I definitely had it in my head, like after I'd watched it, and I, then I went out for a walk, and I was like, hmm, 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 hmm. I think that had the whole vibe in that sketch and song, definitely. What I really loved about it was that it was the kind of monster Muppets, but that they were singing in a very cheerful, playful, loving way. And then also, I really, we've seen this a few times, but I think maybe this is the most successful that we've seen it so far. That juxtaposition of her in that plum silk shirt Mm. with the gold chain and the gold hoop earrings and her like perfectly coiffed hair and then surrounded by this ragtag good for nothing group of little (laughs) Muppets. Like, you know, it was just 
it's just what you want from the Muppets, isn't it, really? And it was just really adorable. And it made me smile. It made me happy. Even though it wasn't necessarily kind of humorous in the same way as, like, Ruth Buzzy throwing herself across a table or whatever. Like, it had enough of that warmth and humour to it that she could get away with just singing the song. There was certainly a lot more to keep you interested than the elusive butterfly. Yes. I felt like this was a lot more just fun, really. Mm. Just... Just lovely. First week for a female guest where I didn't question whether it was a wig or not. I was like, no, that is her hair. <laughs> like, you know, it's the first time in a few weeks where I wasn't like confused by a sort of layered hair situation. I was like, definitely Florence Henderson's hair. There's no uh, a weave. <laughs> nope. That's, yeah, agreed. That's definitely her hair. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So weirdly, when we got to the end of Florence's song, I did start to wonder because of what her first song had featured and what the sort of whole episode had been like. I was like, are they trying to save money this episode? Because mm. there hasn't been any sort of like big set pieces or like, I was like, and this second song, it was just like six Muppets around her face. And then we landed on Planet Kablane. <laughs> and I was like, ah! Kuzbane! Oh, whatever. Like, Kuzbane. <laughs> Planet Kirk Cobain. And... <laughs> I was like, oh, that's where the money went. Although I did look this up and apparently this was already recorded for a Muppet Valentine special. So I don't actually know if this was recorded for this Muppet show. Oh. The Valentine Valentine's one was one of the pilots that they made to try and get the Muppet show off the ground. That's like the first pilot episode that they ever did for the Muppet show was to do a special to sort of say, this would be what it's like. So if they recorded it for that then, yeah, this would have been a couple of years old at that point. Oh, interesting. So that's interesting. So maybe they really were trying to save a bit of money then. (laughs) The setup of having a reporter on a planet was strange. (laughs) I just, I know, like, I was like, put him in a space suit. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It just felt very odd. I was like, what is this Cusblame thing where... They've got these native creatures, but they also have what appears to be a television journalist. Like, I don't know, it just, it it threw me. But the actual, I'm going to say critters that they had on the the planet were great. They were so like, again, I want to touch them. (laughs) They were really cool. I really loved this. I think this was, this was one of my highlights of the whole episode, to be honest. Definitely. Like, I really like the setup of having Kermit as like this roving reporter, David Attenborough type reporting back yeah. on the, what the, the mating habits of the Cusbane aliens. And the puppets were really, really cool. I love that they sort of seemed to have like scales, but they weren't scaly. They were still like felty. Yeah. And the sort of O-shaped mouth of the male one and then the really long snouty nose of the female one like i don't know it was just really clever and really cool and 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 the whole thing was just so silly Mm. but so funny and i don't know it was a really really great end to the episode i felt like the episode to me did kind of build Mm. and you know from that potentially a little bit of an uncertain start with the borsellino brothers but then it just seemed to keep getting better and better and finishing on this did feel like a real high point a real crescendo to the whole episode for me Mm. The way that their bodies could, like, kind of accordion-like expand mm. and contract was really nice. And it was a lot of fun. And, oh, my God, the little, the little Cusblane babies that, like, popped up yes. right at the very oh end. Oh, my goodness, they were so cute. They looked like little tiny red cookie monsters. Like, they were just, like, 
<laughs> I mean, I guess maybe because they were red, I thought they were a bit Elmo-y as well. But you're right, they were cookie monstery. So maybe they were like baby Elmo slash cookie monster hybrids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were so cute. I love Very cute. And you're you're right, the puppeteering was really clever, especially when they were doing that bit when they were running towards each other yes. for the very final moment. It was just amazing movement of their bodies. They actually really did look like animals, aliens, whatever, who were kind of walking on four Mm. feet and just very very well done i thought and again the camera work was really good like the fact that we Mm. were cutting between the two sides and it felt like they were speeding up it sort of it just built really well it didn't feel Mm -hmm. too static which can sometimes be a sort of downfall of the muppets sometimes just by the virtue of you need to have to hide the puppeteers so it does not always allow quite so quite so much movement in the camera work yeah and again i think that comes back to it being a really cleverly designed set Mm. and you could tell that they had put thought and effort and money into making sure that the set did what it needed to do for the for the cousbanes to to do their ritualistic dance (laughs) and create the little baby ones (laughs) oh i really wanted a little cousbane baby (laughs) the sarah jessica parker wine has made me broody Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Wonk wonk. They made wonk. They said wonk wonk. They did. <laughs> I like the fact that they just appeared as well in like a 70s like flash, you know, explosion yeah. flash. Yeah. <laughs> that was what sex ed videos were like in the 70s. They were just like two people come together, explosion flash. <laughs> You've just given me a really intense flashback to being in primary school and having to watch a video about cleanliness that was, I kid you not, called Some of Your Bits Ain't Nice. Like, it was such Oh my goodness. And it was like this 1970s cartoon where these two people would be like dancing in a club and then, and then literally one of them would say to me, Some of Your Bits Ain't Nice. And then like a little alarm would play. And then I think an inspector or a detective would be like, Listen, Jimmy, if you'd put on some deodorant, your armpits would now growing hair. It wouldn't smell so much. <laughs> it's, just, it's like burned into my head. I might need to try and see if it's on YouTube because it, it's like that made for like 20 pence British animation. You know, like... Just, Do you know uh, what? I must have completely blocked it out of my mind because you just saying that made me remember it. Yes, right? <laughs> I can remember yeah. that. And then there was another video they showed where they had weirdly like a fully naked family just like wandering around. And then it ended with two people getting married to Madonna's Cherish. <laughs> that's, that's the one I remember. Yes. That image of the family in the bathroom all together, yes. all fully naked. Why, Why are you all yes. naked in the oh bathroom at the same Why? time? Why? Have some shame. <laughs> just <laughs> And the only reason I remember that is because at the end, my teacher, Mrs. Hunter, like finished the video and she was like, does anybody know what that song is? And my little eight-year-old gay hand was like, it's Cherished by Madonna. (laughs) And then you proceeded to do a rendition of the entire song. (laughs) That's Dad's fault, to be fair. Like, look, you shouldn't play the Immaculate Collection to an impressionable child because this is what you get. (laughs) This is what you end up with. Well, I'm so glad that we remember so much from these sex ed videos. <laughs> I feel like we've gone off on a really weird tangent now. This is what happens, Emma. This is what happens when love comes to Cusbane. You know, this is the <laughs> the inevitable result. Oh, good grief. <laughs> I think it might be time for us to award our MVMP for the week. Jade, stop thinking about your bits and <laughs> start thinking about your Muppets. <laughs> 
Who was your, your favourite performer of the week? My MVMP is Miss Piggy because I feel like this is the first time we've really seen her properly come into her own, that she's had a proper arc. We've had glimpses of it with Mechanical Kermit and with Muppet Glee Club, but with this episode we really did have maybe not quite the full Miss Piggy experience because she's not quite the diva that we know and love yet, but we did have Piggy being Piggy, being in love with Kermit. Also, I think this might be the first time we've seen Piggy where we've not had any Richard Hunt in the whole episode, so... I'm here for that. I'm here for her being fully Frank Oz throughout the entire episode. And I also just feel like, especially because as we've said, the backstage stuff bled into the onstage stuff so much with this episode. To me, she was really at the centre of all of that and she was at the centre of the episode. Mm. And to be honest, I don't really think Florence Henderson would have had that much to do if it wasn't for this, this setup of this love triangle between the three of them. So... I'm going piggy. Emma, what are you thinking for your MVMP for this week? The funny thing is, I was going to say Miss Piggy as well. <laughs> Pretty much, for the same reasons. I definitely think, like you say, most of Florence's plotline stories, sketches, they wouldn't work without Piggy because mm-hmm. they're quite Piggy-centric. But then also, equally, I think we do get a lot of growth into her character and we kind of start to see things that are miss piggy and you know we get her like karate chops we get her like hi yas we get her kind of like love for kermit coming through yeah i just think she is a quite an integral piece actually to this week's episode so i'm gonna agree with you and say that miss piggy is my mvmp this time round. how about you lou i am actually going to go against the grain and not make it a clean sweep for miss piggy And it's only because, as I said kind of near the beginning, I feel like we're 70% there to the piggy that I love. And I want to wait until (laughs) we get... Until we get to the piggy that I recognise, basically, to give it to her. There was just a little bit too much Kermit obsession and not enough of her sort of, like, I am fantastic energy, which is actually the thing I really love about Miss Piggy. So... I'm just going to throw away my MVMP and give it to the baby Cusblains because they were so adorable. <laughs> just going to give it to them because we're never going to see them again. So give it to them. They can have a letter each because there was four of them. <laughs> I think that's completely fair. I was I was torn with maybe giving it to the adult Cusblains, but I just felt like this episode would have been nothing without Piggy, basically. So had to recognise that. But I, I completely agree in that I'm a bit concerned especially as we get into the later seasons and i know piggy becomes like the driving force we don't want to be in a situation where every week Mm. we're all just saying piggy's our mvmp (laughs) so yeah yeah the other muppets need to step up now (laughs) scooter you here (laughs) get the fuck out scooter Let's do our ratings. I'm going to reverse the order just to keep you on your toes and see if Emma's mouth can keep up with her brain. (laughs) Emma, (laughs) what was your rating for the week? That was such a lovely introduction. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to give it six Galio hoop hoops out of ten, purely because I do think it's quite a strong episode this week. I feel like we're really starting to see Piggy. She is really coming into her character, but she, like you said, Lou, she's not quite there. 
I feel like in terms of quality of sketches, I think that they're definitely improving and that they're getting it more into their stride. But we still do have certain weak parts. So like the dancing spot, um, the talking houses, which we didn't really even mention this week because we just didn't feel like it was worth a mention. I think six is probably where I'm I'm going to go for this episode. Um, how about you, Jade? Yeah, I'm six too, and I'm going six out of ten liberated pigs. Because oh damn it, <laughs> sorry, Lewis, you should have oh. gone first. Um, ah. <laughs> uh, solidarity with my hoof sisters. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you, Emma. It's it feels like a pretty solid episode, but there's definitely moments where I feel like there's still room for improvement. I do feel like the start of the episode, other than the kind of beginnings of the backstage stuff, that was weaker for me than the end of the episode. And I did really feel like it grew into it. But on reflection, I think that, you know, some episodes like Rita Moreno's, like Connie Stevens, are definitely stronger overall. But this is a very, very solid episode and I did enjoy it a lot. So, Lewis, sorry you can't have liberated pigs, but uh, where where are you going? What's your rating for this week? I'm going to go just a tiny bit higher than you both. I'm going to go six and a half trash Muppets out of ten, <laughs> who I'd actually forgotten about and probably could have also been MVMP as well. It felt like a strong episode. The comedy didn't feel too absurd or kind of throw away kind of you know when you sort of sit there kind of perplexed as to what the actual joke was you're like mm-hmm. god the 70s were weird i liked the characterization building still not quite happy with where miss piggy is yet but i i like it and i thought florence was good if maybe not kind of like she didn't leave a hugely great impression on me but she seemed game and she you know she's got a nice voice and yeah so i think i'm going to give it 6.5 just by the virtue of i feel like i've seen rougher average episodes do you know what mm-hmm. i mean so i'm a- <laughs> i'm awarding it for its decent averageness so i had to give it a little extra half point for that jade why don't you hit us with our muppet philosophy for the week absolutely i actually something you mentioned earlier in the episode lewis was um was it the sarah jessica parker seven on blog <laughs> Other than the Sarah Jessica Parker something off long, which, by the way, if we don't get some sponsorship money for at this point, I don't know what. Oh the point yeah, because Sarah Jessica Parker <laughs> needs our Muppet podcast to flog her, to flog her wife. <laughs> Famous Muppet fan Sarah Jessica Parker. She probably is, Lewis. You don't know that. Do you know she would? Be, she would actually be like a perfect Muppet show guest. She sings. She does puns. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Other than the SJP solve. It's SJP Savvy B. That's the name we've come up with. <laughs> yeah, again, that we're getting paid for, apparently. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> My head's paying for it right now, to be honest. <laughs> oh, God, that's not, a, that's not an endorsement, is it? <laughs> well, to be fair, I, dra- I drank basically the whole bottle, so it's my own fault. Okay. I'm sure Sarah Jessica Parker would tell us to drink responsibly. <laughs> yes, children. What, not children? Yes, adults, drink responsibly. Um, <laughs> <Kids>. <laughs> drink your wine responsibly, children, and some of your bits ain't nice. Right, I've got to try and centre myself so I can do this philosophy bit. Focus, Jade, this focus. Be good. <laughs> Something you mentioned, other than the Savvy Bee earlier in the episode, Lewis, was this idea of the Muppets parodying variety shows, but also seeming to kind of slip into the same kind of tropes 
that variety shows of the 70s had themselves anyway. And I thought this was really interesting because obviously you didn't know the the quote that I'd pulled out, but it speaks to this idea and also to Henson's Mm. philosophy, which was not to really do that, to essentially, you know, try and go his own way and do his own thing. So the quote I have, which is again from Jim Henson, the biography by Brian J. Jones, and a quote from Henson. Many of the things I've done in my life have basically been self-taught. I had never worked with puppets, and even when I began on television, I really didn't know what I was doing. I'm sure this was a good thing, because I learned as I tackled each problem. I think if you study, if you learn too much of what others have done, you may tend to take the same direction as everybody else. So, Hmm. an interesting thought, especially for this episode, because I think in a way they did maybe still slide into those tropes, maybe unwittingly, but I think a good reminder for us all to to do our own thing and not worry too much about what everyone else is up to because we're our own people you can go your own (laughs) way go your own way i'm just going to turn this into a side promotion for my singing career (laughs) i've got two numbers in this week florence henderson lewis chandler available for bookings whenever his vaccinations come through (laughs) find me on twitter (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Muppet Sational. Uh, if you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppet Sational on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us in our hysterical state <laughs> this week. <laughs> Some real tangents somewhere, but I'm sure I'm sure there's an episode in there. Uh, from me, Lewis, goodbye. From me, Jade, bye. And from me, Emma, goodbye. We shall see you next week on Muppet Sational. Goodbye. Bye. bye. Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin McLeod, and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge, who you can follow at at Charlie underscore R underscore Rudge on Instagram. I wonder if the Muppets are unionised. They definitely are. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah. I hope Kermit is like their union leader. Oh, maybe they're in equity. Like, <laughs> maybe I could see them at a meeting. They were filming in London, so I suppose so.